Welcome to the HRS Podcast, the show where we talk to experts about the things that can go wrong in the workplace and how to avoid them. This podcast is presented by ActDesk, the software that helps employers prevent harassment and spot talent inside their organizations. After the show, learn more at ActDesk.com. That's E-K-D-E-S-K dot com. But for now, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Our topic today is HR risk and executive ostriches. This is an issue some of our listeners may have experienced before. It happens when an HR team raises issues that relate to the workforce, but business leaders don't seem to get it. Or maybe they don't even want to get it. In a way, they're like ostriches, burying their heads in the sand. Joining us today to talk about executive ostriches is Jim Woods. Jim is the president and co-founder of the Woods Kovalova Group a Denver-based consulting firm focused on performance improvement and diversity and inclusion. Jim founded Woods Kovalova in 1998 and has worked with clients in a broad range of industries since then. Jim, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and the work you've been doing? Well, certainly. I started this company about 1998, and um, it was kind of interesting how it started. It wasn't quite any magnanimous way of doing so. I just simply got tired of doing uh, what the work I was doing as a salesperson, I had sold more than a million dollars at one year and decided that I wanted to take my experience and go in and do something different altogether. And so I created the business and I did so not wanting to borrow ideas, if you will, from other people. I was uh, very disciplined in wanting to create my own ideas about organization, particularly leadership, team building and so forth. And I went on to school and completed my uh, master's in organizational development and human resources and created a very substantial recruiting firm at the same time. Since that time, we have worked with uh, government, the U.S. Army, military organizations, uh, uh, defense contractors. We have worked with a number of businesses, large and small, and particularly Fortune 500 companies. So our topic today is HR risk and executive ostriches. What are some of the typical workplace issues that an HR professional might run into that could lead to there being some ostriches in the, the C-suite? Is it things like retention issues, harassment, compensation concerns? What, what are the kind of the, the big hot potatoes that might lead to this problem? <laughs> when I taught fifth grade uh, years ago, the kids used to call them boogaboos or something. You know, they're like the boogeyman. They're little things like uh, dust bunnies. They're always there lying around the floor. And once you clean up, there's another one just like it. And usually uh, companies will discuss the same issue you just brought up just now, every one of them. However, as the more as time has gone on, I take, I began to see the problems less about people, but more about the leadership of those people. And I can trace every one of those problems in all actuality to the leadership or, or the organization. And what's really surprising is that no matter how much we talk about uh, technology and HR, we go to the conference, the forums, nothing, absolutely nothing changes. The same problems, the same people, nothing changes at all. We just spend more money on it and nothing changes. And that's frustrating. What, from a leadership perspective, what is it that might motivate a business leader to be an ostrich when it comes to HR issues? Is is this something that is 
something that he or she carries across the enterprise. For example, if I'm an ostrich and my logistics or my product team comes to me with a problem, am I avoiding that too? Or is there something unique about HR issues that people sometimes want to avoid? Well, there are indeed. Uh, with all due respect to a sect of HR people who deserve a proverbial seat at the table, uh, there are many with the temperament and the skills de- desired by employers. And what I mean by that, they're kind of milquetoast. They're placid. They may be passionate and eager to do the very best job possible, but they're hired often in that position because employers uh, expect people in that position to just be anybody that can do it. I went to a uh, – I'll – I digress just a little bit. I, I went to a basketball uh, conference meeting rather once with a uh, publishing executive, of a large firm and own multiple newspapers and so on. And here we are sitting by side by side and he has a number of his employees below us sitting as well. And he looked down and he said, Jim, this is why what I decided to do in my HR department. He showed me the person that he placed in his HR department. And he said, the reason I put him here is because he didn't work out any place else in the company. And this is the only place we could put him that could keep his job and it worked out okay. Now, the person didn't know anything about HR. The person didn't know anything about the policy and the functions. He just didn't work out any place else in the company. And they put him there. And I've seen that countless times that they want someone who's placid and someone who really won't rock the boat, who deserves a seat at the table. In order to get the seat at the table, you have, you have to have a certain temperament where you're willing to tell the employer, hey, wait a minute, uh, I think we should do this and be forceful about it and get it done. So what I'm hearing is from the, the perspective of the HR leader, part of the, the motivator, part of the reason for there being ostriches, whether it's intentional or not, among the business line might be a sort of a failure to sort of take up that mantle of leadership and to assert HR's strategic role in the organization. Yes, they are. That is absolutely correct. HR people are, and I mean, I mean this in all sincerity, they're the rock stars in the company. At the last moment, I changed my degree from um, supply chain management to HR because I began to see that HR people are people that can real be the real rock stars more than any other department and organization. But somehow the leadership, their leadership has somehow found a way to lukewarm, to make the, comp- the position less than what it can do. They don't see the advantages of their position and what they can actually do in their organization. It's actually the most formidable organ- the department in the company. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's always a um, it's almost a cliche in, in some ways where you, you say our most important asset is our our people, but when you actually think about how the company operates, and when you look at the overall spend on both salaries and benefits and the the cost of training and, and all these things, I mean, it, it really is a substantial part of the company, and it is strange that it's a it's a little bit of a ministerial function in, in many organizations, and many organizations are trying to move it in a more strategic direction, but it's odd that it hasn't really been at that point already. Well, you're absolutely correct, Andrew. The the current head of Gallup Corporation came out with a fantastic uh, article uh, three or four years ago where he talked about conference and seminars and 360-degree 300, feedback forms. None of those things change management, and they don't do anything good that's uh, worthwhile for the organization. Yet, HR people and organizations still spend millions and millions of dollars on 360 feedback. They still do all of these things. They send people to conferences and all these meetings, and nothing changes whatsoever. The problems haven't changed. 
the problems are the same. Every conference you go to, the problems are still the same. And every time you go to a meeting, it's still the same issue. And yet it's like rocket science. The only thing that's changed has just been the characters. But how do you take care of it? It's all been exactly the same, and yet nothing gets done. It's frustrating because I see people in organizations, the employees who are really passionate people, they aren't lazy. I mean, they, they if they have retention problems, if they have problems of absenteeism, uh, there's a good reason why. And as Jim Clifton of Gallup said, people don't leave companies, they leave their managers. There's a reason for that. It's not because millennials, it's not because the workforce is incompetent and they don't want to or they feel like they are entitled. It all goes back to the management that still has this hierarchical approach to ideas that what gathers here would keep us here. I think that's really getting into the reality that we might have executive Oscars sometimes when it comes to HR issues. And, and just because maybe an issue isn't getting the attention it needs, or, or maybe it's even being overlooked entirely, doesn't make the issue go away, of course. It's still there. W- what are the stakes? What What are some of the consequences for an employer or for employees if, if issues aren't being taken up by senior managers that need to be taken up by, by senior leadership? What can be the result of, of inaction? Well, you you know, from the outset, you mentioned several of them, and you're going to have retention problems. You're going to have absenteeism. It's kind of, I know it's a bit redundant. We talk about absenteeism and uh, having uh, people that are tardy, people who are slow to respond to orders, people have negative feedback. But, you know, the we look at it, the only time they get, ne- they get feedback usually is when something detrimental really happens. And the only time that uh, nobody's feet is held as far as far as management goes uh, and the other types of leadership until uh, the employee is, is let go from the company. And then we just shake it up and put a check mark and assign another uh, parking spot or space in the workplace uh, for someone else that's taking that person's place and say, well, that didn't work out or they lived less than they lived under their uh, less than what we expected from them. They didn't deliver on time. And we look back at that employee and I like to tell people, quite frankly, many times management leadership have lost touch with the employees. They don't know what they're doing and they don't know the repercussions of their policies and all. And I would say, take those people and place them on the front lines. Let them see what it's like to roll their sleeves up for a while to understand the people that are affected most by the policies and by their leadership. Once a month, place them there so they can see what it's like to work in the sales room. Place them there on the front lines of production. When I used to work for HR in a large corporation years ago, uh, what I used to do is actually, I mean, this is all sincerity, I actually rolled my sleeves up and got on the production floor. I had the safety training and all, and actually once a month went and worked alongside these people to know who they are. And I put the exercise equipment together, the fans and the motors and everything. I put all those things together. And I knew what it was like to work 10 to 12 hours a day doing this work and how they felt. It sounds like one of the biggest consequences is you put issues off or you don't really take them with the, the level of seriousness they deserve. And, and before you know it, you, you didn't really notice it at the time, but you don't really have the people that you used to have. And, and maybe the, the quality of the workforce is lower than it, it once was because you haven't really tended to the people that you, you had before. Right. The, um, we've created this vacuum of us versus them. And, you know, it's, it's where we lose touch with people. I've seen it even in 
in all sizes of organizations where, you know, in the beginning when the company first starts, they have this startup mentality. Fast Company did a wonderful article on that once about uh, how big companies lose the startup mentality where everybody's a family from the beginning. We're putting our arms around each other, taking the great photographs, and we want to make sure everybody's okay. You're okay at home, right? Okay, good. You're getting paid enough? Great. Uh, yeah, you guys working out over here? You're doing this, doing that? Everybody really cares, and they care passionately because they know the company can't get off the ground and be great unless they feel this, not just – Say it, but actually fill it. And then what happens? They get 100 employees, 200, 300, get some more investors and all. And pretty soon, everybody's forgotten now what they used to do in the beginning with to get them there. They lose sight of it. Let's say that I'm an HR leader. Uh, let's say that I'm, I'm raising an issue with my team. Maybe I'm saying, hey, listen, we've got retention issues. Look at these trend lines with retention. Uh, we're behind our, our peers in retention, or maybe our compensation isn't competitive as compared to some of our, our competitors out there. And I, I'm raising this issue, and I, I might run into an ostrich situation, but I assume that nobody's going to come out and say, I don't care about that, or let's slow walk this issue, or let's just put it on the back burner. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more subtle if I'm facing an ostrich situation. Are there any particular warning signs I should be looking out for to diagnose the situation and, and realize when this might be a problem with my, my senior managers? Oh, well, yes. There's a lot, of, a number of behaviors. There's a, uh, you're probably familiar how a few years ago, Nokia was, I believe, right next to Apple and Samsung is one of the top phone makers in the world. And then all of a sudden, one day, Nokia was no longer there. And what happened is, so we call what I call the Nokia effect in management. Uh, what happened is that you had senior management, not frontline employees, who people tend to think want to get away with things and circumvent the rules, if you will. You had senior leaders in your organization, the C-suite, that actually found a way to give the boss ideas and strategies, but not, not the correct strategies. They only gave him the information that he wanted to have, only the good news. And most of the good news was actually made up, which is kind of surprising. And so this boss uh, had this idea that he didn't want to hear bad news today. He wanted to hear the good news. And that's so they, they didn't tell him about the supply chain problem. They didn't tell him about production problems. They didn't tell him about this or that. They only gave him that they swept the other things under the table and only gave them the positive news until now, while Nokia is making money, they're no longer in that part of the realm anymore. And they were once very top because in an organization, the people only want to hear good news. They set the things aside. They don't move any issues they know they should move on because, again, you have people in HR who are expected to be placid and not going to raise the issues up and saying, this is what needs to be done. We put this back too many times, and these are the repercussions we're going to have by doing it. Again, I'm going back now to the publisher with the HR person at the, basket, at the uh, basketball game now. They could have brought the right person in, but the right uh, panache, uh, someone that's going to tell them what needs to be done, but instead, what do they do? They bring in someone they know that's going to squeak by. Some who's very passionate, but not passionate enough. It sounds like a big warning sign is if I've got a senior leader on my team who is just overly focused on the positive and just really never takes up the negative. And it sounds like that might be something that might carry over to other segments of the business as well, not just the, the human resources function, but supply chain or, you know, just based on the nature of the business, that might be a, an issue that might spread across the company. 
It does. Human resources touches upon every department in the company. It doesn't matter if you have engineers in that department. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there trying to redesign widgets or anything at all. It touches upon everything, every person. Some people think of it only as just a matter of hiring the right person, retaining the right person, but all this stuff goes with the managers. And then what does Gallup again say? Gallup said there's no training bad managers. And most of the time, 81% of the time, HR. HR is by and large the people responsible for hiring the managers. But guess what HR is going to do? HR is going to hire managers in the mold of HR. Not managers that's going to have a great seat at the table and make the strong decisions. They want down the line someone who's going to be more of a dove. Somebody's going to be peaceful. Someone who isn't going to rock things all and have this startup mentality. Let's say again that I'm an HR leader. I'm facing an ostrich situation. And maybe in the past, I I haven't filled a role that is as strategic in the company as as maybe I'd like. But issues are accumulating. Um, They they are having a consequence for the company. Maybe it's a a retention issue. Maybe legal issues are are starting to, to develop. What are some concrete strategies that I can use to to get leadership's attention and say, hey, we've got a problem here. This needs your attention. This needs your action. And this is urgent. We can't ignore it anymore. Uh, how, how can I go about that? Well, HR is going to have to be deft. They have to be adept at helping and getting that information to the right people in the organization, meaning they have to be suave. They can't be just cavalier, but they have to walk in and speak with their manager, the other people that's involved in the organization. And you're right, legal is a very serious impact of responsibility for HR. They have to look at all the what's compliant, but there's a, a role where you can't just do what's compliant. You can't do what's just legal because, forgive my analogy, but I, I love the part in the, in the movie, The Company Man. Uh, where these guys have worked for this company for countless years, building it, uh, the sh- building ships from the ground up when it had zero employees. In fact, many of them were the first line employees. And somewhere along the line, they all, the top management teams get uh, pink slipped. They let go of the organization and they thought they were immune from all this because they had been deciding upon layoffs through the, uh, the uh, lower echelon of their organization for a long time. And, order, and one of the ways they manipulate their stock was somehow to let all the employees go. And these people, uh, they were told by the CEO of the organization was happy that his stock, his prices are going to be increasing dramatically. And he said, well, we did everything to meet compliance and meet uh, legal scrutiny. And one of the people who were fired said to him, I thought we were seeking a higher level. See? something ethereal, a higher level uh, that we're looking for ethical scrutiny, not just legal scrutiny. And meeting that higher level is what HR can keep them online to do, bringing the right people in the organization. And what can they do that's realistically that they can take to a manager and say, this is what we can do? Well, the data is going to tell a story. And so now how do we take that data so that it actually applies to something what real people are going to eat, drink, and sleep, so to speak. 
there's definitely a culture now of dashboards. And I, I personally am a big fan of dashboards. And I think a lot of senior leaders are are too. And you mentioned data. What's the approach that an HR leader might want to use to using data to to make the case, to to make it clear to the business line that an issue is urgent, that it needs attention, that it, it can't be put off for later? Well, I'm a big fan on having the having the data because the data doesn't lie usually. And uh, I'm a big fan and uh, having that information presented to the right people at the right times. And the, uh, the information that regarding the effectiveness of the organization, the well-being of the people has to presented, be presented to the C-suite in the right way. And I'm not sure if I answered your question properly on this. I, I think that's I think that's right. I, I think the data don't lie. It can they can tell a story? And I guess if you can come up with a chart or graph, uh, it can maybe tell the story a little bit more compellingly. Particularly if somebody doesn't have a lot of a lot of time to to spend with it. Oh, in terms of, I've, I've got this issue, and I, I think that it's not really being taken seriously or with an urgent approach by business team. Are there allies that I should enlist inside the company? Should I? go in alone or are there other people in say the legal or the finance departments that I should try to go in with to, to sort of press the issue or how should I go about recruiting those, those allies if that's something that I need? Well, you, you make a great point in this and back to the, uh, the data issue because that reflects with the allies because in the data, you're going to have a career progression data. You're going to have training data, uh, absenteeism figures. You're going to have productivity data. You're going to have personal development reviews. You're going to have competency profiles. Uh, you're going to have staff satisfaction data just to begin with, and all those are important. And you're going to have allies. You're not going to burn the people that you work with. You want to see them as becoming as successful as they can possibly be as well. You want your um, your C-suite members to work with you. You guys want to put heads together and talk about how we can do it. But at the same token, you want to make sure that when you're speaking with these people in finance and speaking to people in transportation and the other departments, that they are people that's building an organization. Not, you know, in organizations, we're all human beings. But let's face it, a lot of times the problems don't get done. They don't get rectified properly or they put off in the back burner, so to speak. It's because we create these little protective silos and these protective silos are the cause of bureaucracy. And bureaucracy creates what? It creates our own little uh, political sanctums, our little fiefdoms, if you will, where everybody's trying to protect something because we're hoping that we can protect our own job that we have one to come back to on Monday morning. So what do we do? We build these little caves, these little walls around ourselves. We don't really want to be protected. We just want to protect our own turf. And our own protecting our own turf, we build a block every day somehow that we want to bring the allies in. We want to support everybody else. But we're trying to still build one behind ourselves so we're protected because we still feel that somebody else wants our job. So how do you get beyond the bureaucracy? How do you put your hand out and say, okay, hey, I need your help on this, or how can I help you on this? At the same time, not showing that you're weak-kneed or showing that you don't care or you don't want to be a team member. You do want to be a team member. But the data at the end of the day has to mean something, and it really means real people with real problems. 
we've talked today about recognizing when we've got an executive ostrich situation and how we can go about that, uh, how we can address it from a perspective of using data, of making the the story based on the data of, of recruiting allies. Ideally, we don't want to be in an executive ostrich situation. What step can what what can an HR leader do on the front end to avoid this issue from the get go? Is it sort of the things that you do on the back end, but you do it on the front end? For example, you go in and you tell the story uh, with data. You go in and you already have allies aligned uh, with with what you think needs to happen, or with at least a recognition that something needs to happen. Uh, how, how can I avoid that? Particularly if I've got a leader, uh, a business line leader that I need to to get. A decision from uh, an action from who I I already know might be inclined to maybe prefer good news or to maybe put off things that need to to be addressed more urgently. Well, that's a very good point, Andrew. the The allies you have in the organization they have some of the same problems as the HR person will direct will have as well. They have people working with them, and they have a people problem, and the people problem is still connected as very much similar to the HR, HR president or vice president or the HR um, uh, people, other HR persons in the organization. What happens is that they all get bound down, down with uh, administrative tasks or uh, legal issues. And that's what they're doing. So on their desk, while it's all, all the data and everything is important, that's what they spend the, uh, the great amount of their time on every day, admin and legal issues. And then they do clunky staff appraisals, and they do the day-in and day-out minutiae of the organization and of recruitment and people management, and frankly, I say like to be people leadership. So they spend all this time that the things are important, but ultimately, they're not as important as getting belly-to-belly with the people. Plus, there's the issue that HR is traditionally seen as people as being very people-oriented, but they're not so much numbers or data-oriented. In some way, it, it might even be an issue of you, you collect the data, but is it the right data? Are you collecting the right metrics? Are you looking at the right metrics? And if you're just collecting the same metrics over and over and you're not really moving the ball forward, then uh, it, it might be worth asking whether you're you're collecting the right data around diversity and inclusion and around uh, equal opportunity and, 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 and issues of, of that nature. You're absolutely correct. But then again, it goes back to something else we discussed earlier is bureaucracy, protective silos, how everybody wants to make sure that their area is uh, is safe, uh, that if they come out with these wild, what's that they used to push, they had the, the HR buzzwords of the month, IBM does a wonderful commercial on those, uh, play innovation bingo, and they take a buzzword bingo rather, and we have all these wonderful words that keep my eye on the ball, uh, what we're going to do today, and the flavor of the month. There's always something that someone else has come with with a fad or a jingle to make things better this month. Well, none of them really matter. What really matters is some of these thought-provoking questions that you've asked today, and can we put aside our own interest and say what's in the best interest of these people? I mean, the organization isn't some place out there. The headquarters isn't just some place. It's a place lined with people who have every day they're worried about, am I going to have enough money to pay my mortgage, pay a little Susie into getting into the best school? How am I going to be able to do this and at the same time keep my job and help the people below me grow? You can do that by respecting the people, by listening to them. Jim, if guests want to get in touch with you to continue the conversation, how can they reach you? 
so they can reach me at my on my website, which is woodscovalovagroup.com. Uh, at my email address, jim at woodscovalovagroup.com. Or they can give us a phone call, 720-240-9807. You know, I love conversations where someone wants to call me to disagree with something that I said because, you know, the great thing about conversation is that you don't care whether they disagree or agree. You want someone who's going to stir up your thinking is what you want. Our guest today has been Jim Woods of the Woods Kovalova Group. The topic has been HR risk and executive ostriches. Jim, thank you for joining us. Thank you so very much, Andrew. Take care. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the HRS Podcast. This episode is presented by ECDESK.com, the software that helps prevent workplace harassment and spot untapped talent. You can find show notes for today's episode at ECDESK.com slash podcast. That's E-K-D-E-S-K dot com slash podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.